Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci. And on today's show, I have a super cool interview with Jenny Rainey Edwards, the author of Bumping Down Highways from Boardrooms to Backroads in an RV. She and I talk about her RV adventures. And of course, since this is a podcast about film and TV travel, we talk about one of our favorite movies, Dirty Dancing, and the upcoming Dirty Dancing, Fest- Dirty Dancing Festival. Let's get to it. everyone is listening to the Real Travels podcast. My numbers are ticking up a little each week, and I can only thank you all who are tuning in. If this is your first time listening to Real Travels, I'd like to just tell you that the podcast takes your love of film and television and your love and tra- of travel and combines both of them. So each week we talk about a movie or a TV show and something you can see or experience about that. For example, the last podcast, I talked about the MASH filming site in California. I've had people on from a Christmas Story house in Pennsylvania and the Silent Film Museum in California. Next podcast, I talk about the ABC show Lost and their upcoming film gathering. I also bring on guests who love to experience film and TV travel. In a few weeks, I'll have the YouTubers from Duo Find on the show to talk about their visit to supernatural filming and X-File filming locations they visited. Occasionally, I have a celebrity minute where one of your favorite celebrities tells me their favorite film and TV vacation they took. I've gotten a, real, a lot of really cool responses on that celebrity minute. I also share my favorite YouTubes that I'm watching or podcasts that I'm listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to my podcast or left me a review, please do so. It helps me to continue to grow the channel. I've also started realtravelsmagazine.com. It's in its early stages, but definitely worth checking out. And I'm revising my Virgin Traveler website to include some great upcoming trips and information for you if you're new to traveling. Finally, although this is not film and TV related, well, maybe it is because I do mention some sports movies, I'm excited to announce that on March 1st, my latest book, Road Trip, The Sports Lover's Travel Guide, will be out. So please order your copy today. It's a book that focuses on museums, halls of fame, fantasy camps, stadium tours, restaurants owned by some of your favorite athletes, and more. Combine that with my on-location of film and TV lovers travel guide and plan your upcoming trips. Getting warmer out there, it's time to start planning. So, of course, I've been busy watching movies and TV this week, and I've seen Call of the Wild which beyond the CGI, and I'm really not going to put the movie down because of that, I thought it was sweet. I read Jack London's novel in high school, and I remember loving it. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, so you don't have to worry about that. But of course, when I saw all that gorgeous scenery in the movie, my first thought was to look it up and see where it was filmed. There's a lot of CGI in the scenery, too, in case you're not aware. So they actually recreate some of those scenes 
But a lot of the movie was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. If you remember a few weeks back, I talked about Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which was also filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So apparently I need to get myself to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, because it's gorgeous. So did you know, though, that if you are, if you do love Call of the Wild and you are a Jack London fan, there's other things you can do, too. Uh, there's a Jack London State Park in Glen Ellen, California. If you go to JackLondonPark.com, they have tours and museum, trails, and more. So if you go to the website, you could get directions and fees. Um, and, and find out what their current events are that they have going on. There's also a Jack London Square in Oakland, which is named after him, but it has a whole bunch of different things that you could do, like way too long for me to mention on the air here. So I'm going to do a write-up for my Real Travels magazine site where you'll be able to get more information. So whether you love his books or you love the movie, um, it was actually a, an adaptation of the book, but it was also not the first time that Call of the Wild was out. If you recall, there was a Clark Gable version of Call of the Wild back in 1935. Um, I have not seen that version, uh, and I don't intend to. But the, you know, if you either love the books or the movies, you could, there's so much Jack London stuff to do. So I also saw Sonic the Hedgehog, which I absolutely adored. And this coming weekend, I'm going to see Jane Austen's Emma and the animated movie Onward. I wasn't really too sure if I wanted to see that because the idea that someone came up with a movie about a guy who's not, who's only half a guy and then the kids have to put the whole dad together just kind of was weird, but it looks amusing and I love animated movies, so I'm going to go see it anyway. I never got a chance to see the um, nominated Academy Award film 1917, but I do write for filmbooks.com. That's film-book.com. And they asked me to review it. So I'm going to actually be watching that tomorrow and I'll have my review up on their site later this week. On television, I have to say that I am obsessed with Good Girls and I'm so happy that it's back for another season. If you haven't already watched this show, please go back and start at the beginning. It's fantastic. And you can get the earlier episodes on Netflix. Get past the first few episodes before you make a judgment, though, and before you come back and say, Lisa, I'm not hooked. To be honest, I watched the trailer when it came out, and I thought the movie did not, or the TV show did not look good. But they have proved me wrong. It's fantastic. And um, again, I'm glad it's back. So what are you watching? What movies have you seen and what travel tips, travel trips have you taken about those movies? Let me know. Uh, reach out and, and let me know what you're kind of obsessed with this week. I'd love to hear from you. So on that note. Sit down, sweetheart. It's time for the Real Travels podcast interview of the week. Yes, that's new. And that's actually my husband. I asked him to put some of these little uh, recordings together for me to kind of break up my podcast a little bit. And he had fun with that one and, and it makes me smile. I have fun with that too. So I thank him for doing that for me and uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. So based on what he said, it is time for the podcast interview of the week. It's time to share my chat with Jenny Rainey Edwards, the author of Bumping Down Highways from Boardrooms to Backroads in an RV. 
I really enjoyed our talk. I keep telling her I'm going to hop into that RV with her one day and we're going to travel together. And she thinks I might be kidding, but I'm already packed. So, Jenny, I'm ready to go. And whenever you're ready, (laughs) we can do this. So I hope you enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the other side. This week on my Real Travels podcast, my guest is Jenny Rainey Edwards, the author of Bumping Down Highways from Boardrooms to Back Roads in an RV. And if you know me and if you've been listening to this podcast, you follow anything I do in my writing, you know that my dream is always to be to live in an RV, and I'm hoping to make that happen this year. I ran into Jenny at an event and immediately knew I wanted to talk to her about her travels and experiences and jump in her RV and go with her, but that last part we're still working on. So welcome to the show, Jenny. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Your book is awesome. I mean, if somebody loves, you know, the idea of being in an RV or just kind of being inspired to just follow what they want to do, Your book is fantastic, so thank you for coming on and and talking to me about it. And I wanted to ask you about the title, Bumping Down Highways, because somebody who hasn't read it doesn't know, but um, I kind of got the feeling of how you came up with this title. But tell everybody how you came up with the title, Bumping Down Highways. So the original title was supposed to be Climbing Mountains and Bumping Down Highways, And that all had to do with life. You know, you're constantly climbing mountains and bumping down highways. And when I bought this RV and took off across the country, it seemed like I was always climbing up a mountain in the RV, and I was always bumping down a lot of highways. So it all kind of came (laughs) together. But when we sent the book out for um, pre-reads, people that read a book before the publisher gets it in their hands, before the editors get it, And they look at it, you ask a ton of questions, and almost every one of the seven said, I thought I was going to read a book about literally mountain climbing. And they don't know, you're asking them the question in the beginning, you don't read the book yet, what do you think the book's about? And then they ask again at the end. And so... It was shortened to bumping down highways um, and then from boardrooms to back roads in an RV because I was the Prada heel wearing, Louis Vuitton carrying, running through airport, uh, successful businesswoman. I had never RV'd and I took off to do this. So, and bumping down highways. Now, the interesting thing is that, like you said, you had never done this before. I've also never RV'd, but there's something inside of me that knows that it's for me. What did, Prior to, to doing it for the first time and, and not having done it before, had you thought about it? Had you ever seen other people do it and say, hey, that looks like fun? <laughs> no way. To, to me, my idea of camping was the Red Roof Inn with no room service. And I I had to take a trip across the country, and it was really stretching who I was. I was used to 1,000 thread count sheets, and I was going to go across the country in my SUV to get my dogs to my sons and had to stay in these little cabins with no running water, and you had to bring your own bedding. Um, And it wasn't until I was on my way back from that trip I rushed to do that ended up taking me two months. On my way back, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a little camper? Um, I could spend the rest of the summer on a lake. I could 
I'd have all my stuff with me instead of these cabins. And it wasn't until I bought that first little camper and pulled it to a lake that I fell in love with the RV community, the people. I found this community of people that didn't care what your religion was. They didn't care what your political affiliation was. They they didn't care how much money you made. They really cared about you as an individual and just spending time with you. They just wanted to talk to you. They wanted to help you. And, And that's when I thought, oh, my gosh, this is for me. This is that thing I was looking for. And that's been, it was, Four and almost four and a half years. Well, I guess it's getting closer to five years ago, and I, I can't imagine anything else. It's just amazing. And it's interesting too because you said that you know you fell in love with this lifestyle, and you were in a position that other people envy, being on the you know in the corporate world, having a successful corporate career, having all this. Now, before you answer this next question, if you don't mind, I want to read the first two paragraphs of your introduction to the audience because this just this is why I was immediately sucked into this. And it says, I climbed the corporate ladder and found success at every turn. I was chasing the traditional American dream. I love to travel the five star hotel and dining kind that you got by got to by airplane. And I had it all except time for me and my family. I saw dear friends die too young from cancer and coworkers die from heart attacks. To be honest, I was miserable in my job. It was the challenge of accomplishing something and helping other people that I really loved. Perhaps I got the definition of success all wrong. I underlined that because that is really, I think, the epitome of why a lot of people who have lived a certain life or gone through something suddenly find themselves in on the road in an RV because what they were going through was, was not really their definition of success that they wanted. Talk a little about that. Uh, you have to bear with me a second because every time I hear that, it makes me cry. <laughs> um, it's okay. I feel it's like Barbara like Walters. I made my interview subject right? cry. <laughs> That's not on purpose. It's happy tears, but to just think of where I was. So I, um, I'll share something that I've never shared in an interview before. When I had my first child, I sent a birth announcement to my maternal grandfather. And I was intelligent. I went to a private school. I did really well in school. I was best. I made a mistake, and I abbreviated the state incorrectly. And he sent a scathing letter back to me telling me that I would never amount to anything because of that mistake. From then on, I worked as hard as I could to be somebody. I worked hard to be somebody else's somebody. When I was in high school, I loved the arts. I loved theater. I loved chorus. But I was told that that was not success. That was just fun. You needed a job that made a lot of money. So those two things, I worked my way up this idea or definition 
of success and realized it kind of sucked. You know, it was it was really lonely there. Um, I had a lot of people around me, but I didn't have a lot of really good friends. And people would tell me, everything about your life is perfect, Jenny. You've got everything. But I wondered, why don't I feel like that? And when I did this, when I bought that the first big RV, uh, and I made it down that mountain without dying, and I made it up another mountain, and I made it out of tight spots, that was the most exciting I have been since my children were born. It was such an amazing feeling. And then I'm going through the first toll booth in this big old RV, and people say to me, you're living my dream. And I realized, how lucky am I to be able to do this? Like, I'm way happier. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care how I'm dressed. It doesn't matter if my hair's in a ponytail. Most of the time, i got a ball cap on. This is success when you can do exactly what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. I find it amazing about the scathing letter that you got because it, it, it annoys me because it really, people don't understand that. And, I, you know, both of us being writers, it's easy to see that words can inspire, but words can also tear people down. And can you imagine maybe what your life would have been if he had not said that? You know, if he had said something else or something nice, would your life have gone down a different path earlier? So, I don't know. I've often thought that, and and it probably would have gone down a different path. But as I get older and wiser, I realize that all of those things are what made me who I am today. Those things, things... They made me strong. They made me fight. They made me believe I could do anything. And if he had been kind, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been. Nobody should do that to their grandchild. But life would have been different. You know, I I don't know where I would be. And would I be strong enough? I I don't know. I don't know that answer. Oh, I I can understand that. And now, the first time, though, that you do this, I mean, you had never done this before, and I, and I keep mm-hmm. saying to, to people that I can't imagine the first night me being on the road. Like, I probably won't sleep because I'll be like, what's that noise? Who's that? Who's at my door? So talk a little bit about, like, the first, like, right at the beginning, because people who do this that have never done it before – don't realize that that there's a lot of adjustment that has to take place at the beginning of this. Am I correct? There is a lot of adjustment. Um, The first night, though, wasn't the hard thing. I was so excited, and and I, I slept like a baby. It was, like, amazing. I slept really well. So it wasn't that. It was the first time I connected because uh, I had a fifth wheel, a big pull behind. The first time I connected to that big fifth wheel and left the RV park thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I just done? Can I do this? I've, ne- I've never driven it. I had it delivered to me. So that was the scariest thing. But you, you just go slow. What's in front of you is more important than what's in behind you. Uh, and then 
you know, I don't remember ever being afraid in my RV. I got locks. I got a dog. I've got, I've got, I'm just not afraid in the RV. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's just, you, all of your stuff is with you. It's small space. So that first night, oh, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was like, this is my new home. It was pretty exciting. But you have had some very interesting experiences on the road, um, you know, <laughs> pe- whether it's people that you've met or um, animals or things like that. Uh, share with my readers one that kind of sticks at you the most um, that, that, you know, you look back and go, I can't believe that happened to me. Um, I was robbed. Um and it was broad daylight. People ask, aren't you afraid in RV parks or truck stops? It was broad daylight, and I stopped for a break, stopped to take a rest, got my dog out, fixed myself some lunch. We were going to have lunch at a picnic table. We walked around. And in a rest area, I always try to park where – you have to park where the truckers park because I'm really big – And so I try to park where there's a lot of room between me and other people. And I did that. But then a truck came in. That didn't bother me. He parked. When I walked back to my RV, I had to walk between his truck and my RV. And if you've ever been in a rest area around trucks, they leave them running. So there's a lot of noise. And I was walking up to my door and saw a man come around the back of my RV. I still wasn't afraid because I thought he was getting into his truck. I thought maybe it was the driver. But then I realized there was another person coming behind him. Two people would not be getting in on the same side. And I turned around, and there were men coming from the other direction. So I'm not going to give the story away. I survived. I was okay. I was not hurt, but that left me shaking. Um, I don't. I don't think I remember ever feeling like I wouldn't RV anymore. I just couldn't calm down. I I sat in my RV after it was over and just shook because you. I can't believe that just happened to me. <laughs> you know, it's broad mm-hmm. daylight. And so now I am more careful. I tend to not park where the truckers park. I uh, I break all the rules if I have to stop at a rest area. And I park along the curb and take up a whole lot of room and just get out <laughs> as soon as I get out go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you talked about that you have a big rig. First of all, I'm so grateful that you're okay. I mean, I was reading that story and I had pins and needles like in my in my hands I was like all nervous for you and I was like wait a second I'm talking to her today so she's obviously okay but right (laughs) you wrote it in such a way that I was like oh my god what happened what happened and um, I I was grateful that you know and there are problems on the road but I I hear from the majority of people that are like you know it's not like unlike anything else you know you could go on and, and stay at a hotel and there could be a problem or go on a cruise and there could be a problem or just in your house and in your own neighborhood, there could be problems. So people you could like, go to will the say, well, how are you going to handle this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You could go to the grocery yeah, store. Yeah. I mean, anywhere and stuff could happen. 
it could be any. I lived in a gated neighborhood, and there were break-ins in our neighborhood. You know, so anything wow. can happen anywhere. Yeah, it, it it can be scary, and that's why you know to to have the kind of strength and fortitude to still say, hey, you know, it can happen anywhere, and I'm still going to keep going. But I have to ask you because you said you drive a big rig, but you didn't always start out with a big rig. So talk a little bit about the different um, um, type of RVs that you had and why you went from one to the next. So my first one was a little 19-foot Shasta Airflight reissue. Um, Anybody that remembers the little tiny campers that had the big silver wings on the back, that's what that was. And, And I bought it, remember, to spend the summer on a lake and to take some trips in. I didn't buy it to live in, and it quickly became too small. When I realized I wanted to do this full time, I decided to buy something bigger. Yeah, leave it to me. Bigger, I didn't go a little bit bigger. I went from 19 feet to 40 feet, and I got rid of the Lexus, the convertible Lexus, and bought a big F-250 Super Duty King Cab or whatever, four-door truck. Um and so the fifth, it was a fifth wheel, and a fifth wheel, if you've seen people going down the road with a camper, it's the one that attaches to your truck, not at the bumper, but inside the bed of the truck. And so I buy this big RV because I think I need a lot of room, right, because I had a big house. The camper wasn't supposed to be my home, but if I'm leaving a home, i got to have big, well, I had to figure out how to hook it up, how to pull it, how to drive it, how to stop it. Stopping it going down mountains wasn't always so great. Um, But then Hurricane Irma came along and caused some pretty significant damage to uh, the beast, I called the fifth wheel. And I had met a woman on the road that had a big 44-foot, I think, motorhome, Class A motorhome, her husband had passed away, and she decided she was going to keep driving it. And I figured if this 70-year-old, 70-year-old woman can do this, uh, this is what I want. And one of the reasons was when I travel, uh, I'm going across the country, and when I get tired, I want to stop and take a nap. Rest is I don't ever push myself. Or if I want to stop and eat something. Or if I get tired and can't find a place to plug in, and the fifth wheel, you couldn't walk through it because the slides came in, and then you had no power. You had no heat. You had no electricity. You had no air conditioning. Um, so I decided with the motorhome, I could always walk through it. I wouldn't have to get out of it at a rest area or wherever I was, and I would always have power because you have an onboard generator. I could cook. I could eat. I could sleep in the comfort of home. Uh, it was less space because the slides weren't out, but it, you could get all the way through. You could go to the bathroom. You could do anything. So I bought the big motorhome. Craziness. Uh, I thought since I pulled the fifth wheel across the country, how hard could be driving a motorhome? And it was 40 <laughs> feet long, so I didn't test drive it. <laughs> then I got in it and couldn't keep oh. it on the road. So. <laughs> oh, wow. But you've had that one for how long now? Um, let Three years. Wow. So obviously you're keeping it on the road pretty well. 
Now, what are some yeah. of, yeah. you know, when, when you when some people decide that they're going to go across the country and live in an RV and travel, they have specific things in mind that they want to do or see. Are you a parks girl? Are you a, you know, um, I have people that I, I've heard, you know, sports stadiums. I, you know, what what is your delight when you're on the road that you like to see? So I've done a lot of them. Um, I even stayed in that this last summer on my on my way up to New York. Um, I stayed in a minor league baseball team parking lot. I let them know ahead of time and stayed there. Uh, you know, I like different things. It depends on what I'm doing because I'm constantly traveling. I mean, I might sit still for two weeks, but you, but I'm going a lot. And if I'm getting from point A to point B because I want to go see something, um, I might spend a night in a Cracker Barrel parking lot. Uh, they rock. They put in sites for RVers. Like, that sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but but they put in sites that are close to their building that have plenty of light and their security cameras point at them. And so if I spend the night there, I figure I didn't have to pay for uh, an RV site. I don't have to pay for electric, water, anything. Uh, so I always eat there. And I go in and say hello, and I ask for the manager, and I usually give them a book and sigh it and chat with them, but I'm so appreciative of that. And then um, RV parks. I like RV parks because there are a lot of people there. I get to meet new people. Um, There are some good RV parks and some not-so-good RV parks, but you you just learn as you go and take it as it comes. Having a really big RV, sometimes national parks and state parks are hard to fit in because I, I'm so big. Mm-hmm. So is there a place then that you haven't gone to that you still have on your list, even though you've been doing this for almost five years? Oh, a ton of places still on my list. But I will say the exciting thing is I have been through 47 states in my in an RV. Um, in less than five years. And this summer, I hope to finish my last three. Um, Those are North Dakota, Alaska, and Hawaii. And before you get excited and say, how are you going to get your RV in Hawaii? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is always the question. So originally I thought I would just, because that would be number 50, and how exciting would that be? I'd celebrate. And it was $24,000. So I decided that wasn't going to work. Um, wow. So this summer I'll go, right, from, I'll go from Florida in my RV, from Florida all the way up through North Dakota, Canada, Alaska, and I'm going to come back down the West Coast and park at a friend's, and I'm going to fly to Hawaii, and I'm renting an RV over there. This will be one of those tests because it's one of those old, uh, what are they called, VW surfer camper vans. It's very, very tiny, but I figure I could do anything for a week, right? And I get to say I RV'd in all 50 states. That's amazing. And then you need to start RVing internationally because I've started seeing people who are, like, RVing in Italy uh, and all throughout Europe. Have you thought about making that your next five years? (laughs) 
So I don't know because my challenge is um, my dog. I have a dog, and I absolutely love my little dog, Emmy. She is um, she's my companion on the road. She's a great traveler. She loves people, kids. She loves everybody, and everybody loves her. But like Hawaii, she can't go with me. Um, I'm only going to be there a week. You can take a dog with you, but you have to jump through all these hoops. And when you get there, the someone comes aboard the plane, takes your dog away from you, and they go do some tests. If anything is just kind of not okay or maybe not okay, they hold them in quarantine for five days. And I've never left her. She's always slept with me. I've never left her anywhere. I rescued her. Uh, and since I've had her, she's always been with me. So she can't go to Hawaii. Um, and overseas, and in other countries, I don't know. I'd have to look at it. You know, what, what does it require to take her with me? But I have thought about what if I learned how to drive a boat and lived on a boat? <laughs> saw, saw oceans and waters. I don't know what I'm going to do next. That, who knows? That's amazing. I actually interviewed somebody years ago who – you didn't have to worry about buying the boat, but they actually lived on a cruise ship. and when, Or it was like a smaller one, but they lived on it year-round. And they had wow. – it was, it was awesome because they had – they were able to go everywhere, and yet they still had a staff of people to clean their house and do all of these <laughs> things. But, you know, they lived on it. They didn't even work on the boat, but, I mean – you know, no, I, I have to say, of course, you have to have a little bit of money to do this, but it was right. in, it was a trip for them because even if they stayed in this for like a year or two and saw everything and then they could move somewhere else, it was still worth it to them because they were able to have, like I said, the staff and food available at all times. They didn't have to cook, and they got to see everything, but they were considered residents on this yacht. And this, you know, it's just, wow. it's, it's, well, it's like, a, I, I'm, I'm not a boat person, so I know there's a difference between a yacht and a cruise ship, but it was a boat. That's all I'm going right. to say. But it was, it was well. a really, really cool story. So, you know, I, I could definitely see maybe doing something like that down the road. Um, but I would understand not wanting to put Emmy through anything like this. Uh, so, you know, but you, you have to at least tell us when you get to the end of, you know, getting to Hawaii and, and fulfilling like all 50 states, that would be amazing. Um, but before you even get there, you and I talked because obviously this is a filming TV travel show and I wanted to talk to you because we have a film that we love in common and that is Dirty Dancing. And talk to me a little bit about what your plans are this year when it comes to Dirty Dancing. Uh, After I get back from Hawaii, I will have done all 50 by then. Um, When I get back, I am going for the first time, uh, Patrick Swayze's wife, she created this festival every year and it's it's kind of like a, a remake at the camp you know it's it's the whole thing it's the musicals it's it's a festival and it's, it's from what i understand pretty darn exciting um and i'm going there this at the end of the summer to to do the festival and and to see what what all the hoopla is i'm, I'm really excited you know it, obviously patrick swayze's not there but um but it's it's supposed to be set up 
just like the film was, and it's going to be fun. You should go, too. I am thinking about it. It's being held in September this year, and it's in Lake Lure, North Carolina. And uh, (laughs) it's a couple of days, and there's competitions, and there's, um, you know, obviously you can do things like watch the movie on a big screen outside, and and the competitions include, like, look-alike contests, and and I have to make you laugh carrying watermelons. Um, (laughs) And the talent show, of course, because there's Kellerman's talent show, so you have to come back and, and, um, you know, see the talent show. So let's talk a little bit about what you love about the movie because, I mean, obviously you have to be a huge fan to go to a festival like this. You know what I think I like is the the good girl, bad boy. You know, it's just that, that was always, I think that was always me when I was growing up. Um, And, and that it worked out. She was still a really good person. And then he was the bad boy, much, much older than her. And it all worked out, and it just showed heart and caring of, by so many people that worked. Um, they, they worked a different life. They had a different lifestyle than Baby did, and and it was the marriage of the two lifestyles and showing how opposites can do well together. She just needed absolutely needed a little oomph, and look what she did. And what I loved about it, too, is the fact that it really is a film about stereotypes because you have her dad who thinks that just by the look of him, he got Penny pregnant. Then you think that he stole the money because, what, he wears a leather jacket and drives a fast car, and he didn't steal the money. Then you have people who assume that, you know, he's just just – like like I said, just not a good guy, yet underlying it, even though he's got that bad boy image, he didn't do any of these things. So it's this stereotype right, it was, of just, how are you right. really judging somebody, you know? So And then you and have the, the guy. The one that who, really did it, yeah. <laughs> right. right. And and he's like the, the, I don't know if he went to Harvard or was going to Harvard or what, but you look at him, and he's like a, a waiter, and he's dressed differently, so he must be the one that you want to give all your money to. And he's a sleaze. So it's such it, – it really is kind of, if you look at it that way, almost eye-opening And as to how do you really treat somebody when you see them for the first time based on how they look or how they're dressed. And that's exactly why I love RVing, because people don't do that in that community. Yeah, it's, it's and I've heard, and, I, and all I can say is that I hear stories about it, because I can't wait to actually be part of the stories, but, you know, it, that's what I hear, and that the community is so amazing, and the people, like you said, are very, very helpful, and you're always going to find a sour one in the bunch, but for the most part, to just to just be part of a community where people are helping one another. And your book tells a lot of those stories about how you weren't quite sure if you were going to get the help that you needed, and lo and behold, somebody in the community comes along and helps you. Are you going to drive the RV to the Dirty Dancing Festival? Yes, yes. 
Oh, yeah, nice. I take it everywhere. It's my home. Everything I own is in there. Nice. And um, so when when somebody's listening to this and if they say, you know what, I want to do this too, and no, I'm not just talking about me. I'm sure there's other people out there too <laughs> who want to do this. And they're, you know, whether they're going to go solo or solo with their pet or just them and their husband, or but it's, this is all new to them. What tips would you give them for uh, venturing out and finally making this dream come true? So I would. The first thing I would say is really think about the RV that's right for you. I have learned that I'm not the only one that has had multiple RVs in just a few years. Most people buy three RVs within the first 24 months. So really think about how you use it. Do you want to drive mobile or do you want to tow? If you're driving an RV, what are you going to tow behind it? How are you going to have a vehicle? You think of those things and learn everything you can about flat towing a car behind you because if it was just me, I couldn't do a trailer. I couldn't do that by myself. So I tow mine all four on the ground. And then I learned there are only two vehicles out there that you can do it with where you won't void your warranty or you won't have to disconnect drive shafts and A, B, C, D, E, F, and that wasn't going to be me. But I almost bought the wrong car. So do a ton of research. Join some RV Facebook groups before you even RV. They'll let you in. Most of them are closed groups, but you tell them, I'm thinking about doing this, and I'd love to get some advice from from your, your group. That's huge because people will teach you so many things. They'll be there to help you, and then they're, they're always there to help me still when I'm on the road. Uh, and then the other thing is don't get in a hurry. Take a lesson. Even if you think you can, you think I've pulled a trailer before, I can pull an RV or I've driven this, I can drive an RV. Don't be too proud. Take a lesson. Take It's two days of private lessons, $500, $400 or something like that. Take a lesson and you'll feel so much better. Uh, and then have fun. Like don't plan too much. Try to take it easy, go slow. I don't drive more than 250 miles in a day, 300 max. But take your time. Don't book too much in. And if you're going to do it full time, uh, you have to remember that you're not really on vacation every day. So do the fun stuff a little bit at a time. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand. Like they try to jam everything in. But if you are, I mean, if you're doing this on a vacation, that's one thing. But if you're doing this to live full time, you, you still have to find that balance so that you don't really burn out and go, okay, you know, maybe this isn't for me because you tried to do too much too fast. And you think about it, like you said, build up, start doing some stuff and find the right kind of schedule that works for you so that you're still enjoying it five years down the road, right? Right, and it costs money if you live like you're on vacation. I mean, I travel a lot, but you, you, I work within a budget, and I think about those things. So if I, if I want to go to the Grand Canyon, you know, I know that some of my stops will be at Cracker Barrel, or some of my stops will be in a, a baseball stadium, and I spend the six bucks to go to a game and ask if I can sleep in their parking lot. So I get creative. I just always ask. I don't park somewhere without asking if I'm not in an RV park. 
Those are really good tips. And your book is called, as I've mentioned, Bumping Down Highways, um, and it's from boardrooms to back roads in an RV. How can my listeners get a copy of your book? Where is it available? So it's available at all bookstores, Target, Walmart, etc. But the easiest way to get it is on Amazon. Um, all of the other locations, some locations have it on their shelves and some it's available online. So the easiest place is Amazon. And where's the best place for my listeners to follow your adventures? So I am on all social media under Bumping Down Highways. My website is www.bumpingdownhighways.com. And if you ever decide you want to RV or you have some questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email is Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, at bumpingdownhighways.com. I got where I am today because people helped me, and now my goal is to help others live the life they dream. Nice. Jenny, thank you so much for being a part of my show today. I've been waiting for this for a while since we met in New York City that day. So I'm glad it finally worked out, and I'm thrilled that you were here. Thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, when you're ready, you get let me know. I'll come help you. I'll show you how to drive. I'm all packed. I'm all packed. I'm oh, just waiting for the house to sell, and I'm going to go. That's it. Good. I'm done. I'm ready. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Good. Thank you. Jenny, thank you so much again for that interview. And I will keep everyone posted if we do get to meet and greet at the Dirty Dancing Festival this year. So now on to what my favorite podcast or YouTuber of the week is this week. And this title goes to Zero to Travel. It's a podcast I've been listening to for a few months. And what I like about it is that you get to hear from others who want to travel or are traveling and how they do what they do. Um, they tell their stories about how they got there, what they've learned along the way. And it's really motivational. It's inspirational. And it's like sitting around with a cup of coffee with your friends talking about travel. So check it out. I listen to it through iTunes. It's called Zero to Travel. So on that note, I will be back next week with another podcaster or YouTuber of the week. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you about what you're up to. What would you like to listen to on this particular podcast? Or just shoot the breeze. Anything you want to say to me, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler or DM me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler. I also have a Real Travels page on Facebook too. There's plenty of different ways to keep up with what's going on with me and ways to reach out and talk to me. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to Real Travels. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you'll catch next week's episode. In the meantime, have a great traveling week. Mm-hmm.